remember, in the course of discussing movies, the host will spoil plots. You've been warned. Listen to their screams. Greetings, ghouls and creeps, and welcome to Listen to Their Screams, a horror podcast that sounds like you're chatting with friends. I'm one of your friends. Dave, we're joined as always by our other friend, Ike. Ike, how are you? Hey, I'm not doing too shabby. Not doing too shabby at all. Yeah, well, I am. We're having all sorts of issues on our side here. We're, we're totally out of sync. We're, we're, we're recording at a completely weird time for us. My laptop's not cooperating, so we've improvised, so if I sound a little different, that's why, but um, hopefully it'll be okay. Uh, hopefully the content will still be good. And uh, we're just going to grin, bear it, and plow on through. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, let's start. By the time you hear this, it'll already be passed. But happy Valentine's Day, everybody. We're recording this. It is late on Valentine's Day. That is uh, thus the reason we're recording it at an odd time. Because uh, I went out and stuffed myself with uh, all-you-can-eat sushi. So uh, <laughs> my belly's feeling good, if nothing else. And on this go. episode, uh, keeping with, I guess, keeping with the epi- the, the theme of love, uh, in a way, we are uh, reviewing Lisa Frankenstein, which is out in theaters now. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But we have several things to talk about before we get there, and we need to start by a correction. Ike, Ike, I made a mistake last week, our last episode. You sure did. I, I saw it on I, Facebook. I did. <laughs> I did. I did. I I said, I thought that uh, Silence of the Lambs was the first movie depiction appearance of Hannibal Lecter. And thank you to Tammy Webster on Facebook. She uh, said, no, Dave, you're full of shit. And I am wrong. Uh, Silence of the Lamb was not the first appearance. In 1986, the movie Manhunter was released uh, based on the book Red Dragon. And Brian Cox played Hannibal Lecter in that film. I had no idea. No, no, absolutely zero idea. And I guess if I had thoroughly done my research and not just looked just the uh, Silence of the Lambs, maybe dug a little bit deeper, I would have known that. Uh, my bad. I, I, I was wrong. Uh, thank you, Tammy, for pointing that out. Thank you for not rubbing my nose in it. Uh, <laughs> she did say that despite my error, she did enjoy the episode. So, hey, that, that, that's a win. So, there you go. See, I, I'm man enough to own up to when I make a mistake. So, it is documented. There's one time in everybody's life. Uh, <laughs> don't get used to it. No, I'm just kidding. So, uh, there you go. Uh, error on my part. Corrected. Interesting. And now I have to go watch Manhunter. And, uh, cause I have not seen that one. So. Me neither. <laughs> intriguing. Uh, but thank you to all of our listeners like Tammy and all of our followers and to our wives for all of your support and uh, everything that we do. You guys are all wonderful. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the kind of stuff we like. We like that kind of feedback because, you know what? We, we learned some. If it hadn't been for her pointing that out, we, we may have not, who knows? We may have never known. Uh, but uh, so that's that's good. We're all here to grow and get and get better. So. So, Ike, before we get onto the news and our segment and all that good stuff, did you watch anything this week? Oh, boy, I watched that. I watched a lot of stuff. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know if I just that's got good. like on. A, <laughs> I got on a kick or something, but um, I'll just run through a few of these because I have a long list. <laughs> uh, for some reason, I'll tell you this. I I. I got onto Tubi, which is a streaming service. They got a lot of free shit. All right, they got a lot of free stuff. You went down the rabbit hole. I went down the rabbit hole, and they had a lot of good stuff. Um, some of these are movies that Dave has been wanting me to watch. What? 
So there's quite All a few right. here. Um, what did you watch that I've been bugging you about? Uh, so I watched, this wasn't on the list, but we have talked about it before. It's the movie called Taurus Trap. Um, it's it's from like the 70s. It's got like a really creepy face on the cover. It was pretty good. It's not one of the ones you recommended to me, but we have talked about it before. Yep. Um, one of the ones from your list was Motel Hell. Oh, um, what you think? So Motel Hell was interesting. It was a little weird, um, but I think it was meant to be weird. I, I felt like the dynamic between like the old guy and like the younger woman was kind of strange. Um, but yeah, it, it, it just it was very interesting. It's very intriguing. And I think I would compare it to like a little bit more of a civilized like Texas Chainsaw Massacre almost. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I'm going to be straight. I think they had a concept for a film and they didn't really care if it was completely fleshed out real well. Right. I think they just thought because I I think it was during that era where they're just trying to churn them out because they're, that's money. I, I think it's fun in that, that cheesy, fun way. But, uh, yeah, it's, it is not. How do I put this politely? It's not the deepest, most well-rounded script, no. <laughs> but it is. But it is a fun watch. Yeah, it's not highbrow by any means, nah, but that's <laughs> not what I'm looking for typically. So, right. Um, and then I watched uh, I watched all three of the Gender Snaps movies. Yes. Uh, yes. Okay. You concur with the first one? Classic. It is. It was. It is amazing. Oh, yeah. The the first one was absolutely astounding. I, I love the first one so damn much. Such a great movie. I I would dare say that that's probably one of my favorite depictions of a werewolf in fiction, yes, probably absolutely. of all time. <laughs> absolutely, those two are absolutely great in it. They're they're spectacular. The whole movie is great. Second one, eh, it's okay, not as good as the first, but it's it's all right. The third one, I, I just I don't care for it. I, I'm just like, eh. I, I get what they tried to do. Didn't work for me though. See, I, I actually really liked the second one, um, not as much as the first one, but I really did enjoy the second one quite yeah, a bit. No. Yeah, I did, too. That's what I'm saying. It's pretty good, but not not as well as the first. You know, no, the first no. was just so damn good, but the second one's it's good. It's all right. I like it. The third one, though, I'm just like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. The, the third one lost me because, like, I guess I get where they're coming from with the whole prequel concept, but, like, I don't know. Yeah. They they established some weird rules and like they didn't really flesh it out too much. So yeah, I was I was definitely I was like, eh. but the first one iconic, top ten, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. good, good, good. Um, I love Interception, one of my favorites. Okay. Well, and it, honestly, I think that's probably my favorite like movie out of the ones I've watched so far uh, out of this list. But uh, I also watched Chopping Mall. Oh, that's a great one too, though. Fun, Cho- cheesy. Ch- Chopping Mall, oh my god! So like it's great, um, in a it, it's so it's it's one of those it's so bad it's good kind of movies uh, because it's super cheesy, it's super campy. The effects are just they're they're funny, they're just very funny effects. Just and, the uh, whole concept is just hilarious. It, it really uh, is. <laughs> Barbara Crampton, right? Barbara Crampton's in it. Yep. Barbara Crampton's in it. Oh, of course, yeah, absolutely. You can't be Barbara right. Crampton. <laughs> but again, it is it is your quintessential 80s cheesy fun slasher movie. It is. It very much is. But Chopping Mall was solid. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, now, this next one, I I, it, I was I remember you telling me that this guy was in it, but I completely forgot about it. But I watched Maniac Cop. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. You told me Bruce Campbell was in it. And I was like and I yep. saw him. I'm like, holy shit, that's right. Bruce Campbell's in this movie. Uh, <laughs> but Again, it was good. Good movie. 
Now the others, there, there are two. I think two others, just two others. I think they're not. They're not. They're not as good. But the yeah, the first one, man, the first one's fun. And and what's funny is that I, I do not want to say this in a disparaging way because I don't mean it that way. But the guy that that plays the cop in these films, the, his jaw thing—that's that's actually him. He has there's something I don't know what right. it is, some condition that that's that's him. But uh, yeah, I love Maniac Cop. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was pretty solid, especially for, you know, it's certainly a product of the time, but it's mm-hmm. it's really good. I would like to see them like do a remake of that in modern day. Yeah. Um, and then I also watched An American Werewolf in London. I got around to watching that as well. Very good. Um, I will say that I, I didn't hate American Werewolf in London. Um, I don't know if I would rewatch it. It was good, but. There were some things like like what I loved about the movie was the transformation. The scene yeah. where he transforms is just grotesque. Seriously, yep. like yes. it's classic body horror. Um, yep. The rest One of the, of the best movie... <laughs> on screen. Oh yeah, I, I, I like it. Yeah, it's absolutely. Movie. It's a fun movie. Very well yeah. done. Um, yeah. Very very fun. Very fun. Um, but other than that, I watched a couple other movies. Um, I, I, the only ones I really want to mention is I, I, I got around to watching Bubba Hotep, which is that, uh, horror comedy with Bruce Campbell in it. Oh um, yeah. It, it's super stupid. It, I, I thought it was funny, <laughs> but it, it was stupid as all hell. Um, right. and then I watched another movie and this one's completely just off the wall. It's called the possession of Michael King. Um, it was actually really interesting. Um, it, it's a possession story. It's about a guy who does not believe in possession. His wife dies Um, So he kind of goes seeking out like the paranormal, trying to see if it's real. Um, And basically he tries doing like all these rituals to try and confirm the existence of the supernatural. And, you know, he didn't think any of them, you know, stuck. He didn't think any of them really did anything, but uh, they did. And there are very severe consequences, but uh, it's, it was very good. Very good. Very different. uh, Atypical possession movie. Uh, it's on Tubi. All of these movies are on Tubi. That's the big thing. Every single yeah, movie I just said is yeah. on Tubi for free. <laughs> so, so, man, so you you cleared a lot off that to watch list there. Yeah. Um, so so what's do you have your list? What is left? So what is left on my movies? My the Dave's picks. The four movies that are left on here. Um, I have Monster Squad. Oh yeah. The Fly. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Silver Bullet. Oh yeah. And Videodrome. There you go. Okay. And plus, you still have to watch Jerry Maguire sometime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a non-horror film. But, uh, yeah, okay, those, those are four solid. Silver Bullet's another werewolf movie, obviously, as you can tell by the name. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a fun movie. It's a fun movie. They're all, they're all, but, uh, ah, so glad you like, you, you watched the ginger steps. That, oh. Yeah, on Honestly, like I liked it so much. Like I told, I told Kayla, I was like, look, I said, I, I think you, I think she would like it because, oh, yeah. um, I, I think so too. It, it's just, it's such a well-rounded movie. And also, um, it, it has a little bit of social commentary too. It, it, it's a, you know, it's an analog for, you know, the struggles of puberty. That's truly what it is. Um, yep. and it, it does such a good job about talking about some of the struggles that people have to, you know, go through at that age. And, uh, I mean, the actresses are just so amazing. It's truly amazing actresses. There's such uh-huh. a good performance in that movie. Um, couple, I can't wait couple, to rewatch it. A <laughs> couple of Supernatural alum. That's right. Can't uh-huh. be a Supernatural alum. <laughs> now, and in a second, the one guy, well, he's, I think he's in this third one, too. He's also in Supernatural. He's one of the psychic kids, too. 
Okay. Yeah. He's the one that uh, he's kill, kills his dad and his his uncle with with his mind, and then he's going to kill his stepmom. Whatever. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep. I remember that episode. <laughs> yep. He's in it also. So Very good. Cleared a lot of the list. Yeah. I'm, it, I'm proud. I'm proud. This is a good day. I, I don't know. I think I just got into like a, a, a kick. I don't know. I just was on Tubi and I was like, wow, this has got a lot of movies on there. I watched some other movies too, but they're kind of shitty. So I don't, <laughs> I'm not going to talk about them. Um, yeah, but, uh, so you, you just didn't <laughs> want me to call out the uh, social media screamites again to come hunting you down <laughs> to, to shame you into watching something. You, you were preemptive. I was, and, I was. Uh, got to well, catch you some slack now because you, you cleared a lot. Well, here's the thing. It's weird because I watched Ginger Snaps and I enjoyed it so much that it like spurred me to like watch these other movies. Um, so I guess we can thank Ginger Snaps for being just absolutely incredible for a horror movie from that time. You know, it, it was seriously like I, I could write an essay about like this, the social narrative of that movie and like just how good it is. Genuinely, <laughs> I, I thank Ginger Snaps all the time because it is. I love that movie. Love it, love it. Very good. All right. Well, for all the uh, struggles we've had, that, that put me in good spirits now. To, to there keep, you go. <laughs> to keep going. And it might also be attributed to the scotch that I'm sipping on. So, you know, <laughs> potato, you potato. S- it's all it's all good. You got that scotch and sushi going there. Your belly's all happy. <laughs> uh-huh. Chasing it with a little Red Bull sugar-free. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I may regret this in the middle of the night, but it's 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 all good right now. You're going for that right. tri- trifecta heart heart palpitation, alcohol poisoning, mercury poison combo. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I don't know, but something's going to happen with this. <laughs> because when I go to the all you can eat sushi, it's not the sushi that I'm going. I'm, I, I, you know, I have a little sushi and I love sushi, but I'm really hitting the sashimi hard. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a, a fiend for the sashimi. So I've had, I, you know, I ate my weight in sashimi. <laughs> now, yeah, now for me to drink scotch and uh, also some Red Bull sugar free. This this might be a bad mix. I'm I'm off work tomorrow. That might be a good thing. So, if if, if the next episode title is um, in memoriam, then you know that, that, that you know that this didn't end up well. <laughs> yes, Dave, Dave's the first guy to ever die from sharding himself. So, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm sure I'll be cool. I'll, I'll be good. He's chill. He's cool as cucumber, guys. Yeah, there's that. I had that time period about a week or so ago where I was sick and I just was had all kinds of stomach bug and all this stuff going. On. Now that I'm feeling better, it's like I'm just like, I, I, man, I, I'm, I'm eating and drinking until I just go down swinging. <laughs> He's like, I'm throwing caution to the wind. <laughs> I gotta make up for that week. Oh, all right. Well, I, I suggest we move on. I guess then. I don't know how <laughs> we got sidetracked there. Last week it was Cuba Gooding. This week it's somehow me. sushi. <laughs> yeah, sushi. Okay, then let's go to our segment for this episode. Horror Hot Take. And for this week, we are going to do another Horror Hot Take. I'm not going to lie, the initial plan was top three, but uh, Dave ate too much sushi and it slipped his mind to come up with the top three <laughs> list. So I just got to swoop in and save the day here. So there you I have got it. You. All right. You, you, you came out strong. Knocking things off the Dave's picks list. Do you have a good horror hot take for us? I think so. I think so. All right. Lay it on us. So I'm pretty sure I have not. This has not been a hot take I've had before. Um, I really hope it isn't. I, I 
I don't think it is, but I have a very bad memory. So it, it, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm right. I don't know. But I'm pretty and sure we, I haven't. We, <laughs> we knew that last week when you were like, oh, yeah, I think we need to dive through this uh, franchise. I'm like, no, we haven't. Yeah, the Texas Chainsaw, yeah. Yeah, that's it. So, oh, man. All right. What is it? All right. So last week um, we were talking a little bit about um, how, you know, certain movies exist as uh, it was either last week or the week before. But we, we kind of talked about how certain movies exist as like a paradigm, right? They are, you know, incomparable to other movies. You know, we were talking about how there are some movies that exist as, you know, very important, like, you know, seminary works, you know, for genres. Um, and, you know, I, I started pondering what we were talking about a little bit and talking, thinking about like, oh, you know, well, what about this movie? What about that movie? And I came to a sort of internal consensus uh, with my multiple personalities that, in my opinion, the movie Halloween is by and large more important, more impactful, better, more significant than the movie Psycho. Um, a lot of times these movies, and this may not even be a hot take, well, maybe a lot of people will agree with me, but a lot of times people will look at the slasher genre and they will look immediately to, sla- uh, to Psycho. Um and simply, in my opinion, not to say that Psycho is not a good movie, it is just that Psycho exists as its own entity. Um, and while there might be some impact to the overall culture and generational, you know, lineage, I guess you could say, of slasher and the slasher genre, I, I think that it has not had as much of a significant impact than the Halloween movie. Um not only has the Halloween movie sort of existed again as its own foothold, you know, it doesn't need anything to support itself. To me, I think what supports Psycho is mostly the people who made it and the people who were in it. The story in of itself exists as a very well-told story that's been retold many times, but Halloween exists as a, I guess you could call it a a franchise. But also Halloween created tropes. Halloween created things that are constantly reused in other forms of the genre. You know, if it were not for Halloween, we would not have things like Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street or any of the modern slashers that we enjoy today. Things like Terrifier. A lot of these entities would not exist without Halloween. Um, And not only because of that, but for a lot of other reasons, I think Halloween is a significantly more important and impactful movie than Psycho. Um, Yeah, I think I would agree with that. Um, That is not to belittle the importance of Psycho. Correct. Because it is a very important movie. Um, But while I think, uh, well, I think maybe Psycho, you know, was so important in starting the genre. I think Halloween took it to the next level and perfected it. And, um, I, you know, I, it might be the easy answer, but so many people, when they ask, what, what's your favorite horror movie? I, I, I say Halloween 78. Right. Is, you know, it's, it's probably the one I've probably seen the most. Is it the one I always go back to? Nah. You know, when I want something that's just, you know, fun and goofy and, and just to pass the time, is that what I throw on? Nah, not always. But I, I think, I mean, I think Halloween's perfect. Um, I think it it did so much right, and uh, and you're right. There's so many of the, the 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 boom of the '80s that followed it 
followed that the blueprint that that Halloween laid out, and it it saw how how it, you know, what it did, and uh, thought, okay, we're just going to copy that and, and do it, and it was it was you know mimicked, um, right, and and there's a reason for that, you know, I mean, and it's still in, impactful to this day, and it still happens to this day. It's still, you know, the 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 unwritten rules that are now sometimes. Almost, you know, kind of. I don't want to say joked about, but kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing, right? And scream, they discuss them and and things like that, where it's a, you know, it's tongue-in-cheek. Some of those things they respond, you know, in Halloween, like you said. And uh, you're right. I think a lot of people look at Psycho and think, oh, it's Hitchcock and it's this, you know, and and so it's it, it's it's uh it's more I don't know sophisticated maybe you know whatever they think. Right. Some people look back on things like that. This, there's there's a lot of people that look back on movies such as some of those kind of movies and, and, and think they like them more than they do because they feel like they should. Yeah. And and, and, and and some of it's trendy to say, you know, oh yes, I love psycho. Not you know, I do like psycho. But sometimes people say that stuff just to try to make themselves I you know what I mean? I I mean I know that's kind of a swerve, a detour there. But well, sometimes instead of people just saying, fuck, you know, you know, uh, whatever. I love sleepaway camp and then blah blah blah, and just that's my favorite. They want to, they don't, they they, they want to. Oh, I like you know, Psycho is my favorite. Okay, uh, is, is it your favorite or is it is it just? And again, Psycho is a great film. It's an important film. Um, and it is impactful film. Overall, I yes, I would agree though. I think Halloween is a more impactful, important movie in the horror genre. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think what you what you said, it, it does go along with it. I, I think, you know, like you said, a lot of people hear, you know, Hitchcock and they think, oh, well, you know, it's it's Hitchcock is, you know, one of the most iconic directors and creators or writers of all time, you know, and it, a lot of times I think people hear that and they think of his notoriety. And, and I think that that's part of what makes Psycho so um, popular and why it still exists as you know a, a niche within the pop culture um, and, and like you said it, it's not to diminish the the works of Hitchcock or the you know significance of Psycho it's just that Psycho exists as its own thing kind of outside the peripheral of like what I would consider like what slashers are now um, and, and in order to get from Psycho to Terrifier you know, Halloween had to be there. You know, if it were not for Halloween, we would not be at the point we are now with just what we had prior to Halloween, if that makes sense. And that's kind of what I always say is that um, Halloween acts as sort of a convergence of, you know, horror pop culture at that time, which has then impacted the, you know, the timeline, I guess you could say, of other horror movies and further points of pop culture. So, it's just a very interesting kind of uh, paradigm, I guess you could say, where, where you start looking at the significance and impact of different horror films and whatnot. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think each decade has uh, films or franchises that that define the define that, that decade. And typically right. what they're doing is building on the back of the ones before it, right? You have, you have Psycho, right? And then, you know, Halloween took Psycho's certain aspects of Psycho and what, it, you know, and, and, and upped it. And then, you know, in the 80s, you know, you have, you know, I would say, you know, probably some of the Friday the 13th stuff took that concept and upped it again and, and, and established, you know, established a few more 
of those rules or expanded upon some of those rules, right? And then you get in the nineties and on and you, you go, you get the screen films, right? Getting a little meta and, and, and bringing it into those times. And, you know, and now, you know, we have films like Terrifier and things like that that are doing things that are reminiscent of all those films, but they're, they're doing them in the modern context and in the modern, the modern side, you know, they're, it's just continually building. And, uh, you know, I think there's, there's films and franchises that take that, those models and just continue to, to expand it and grow it and, and keep it moving forward. Or then that's, that's the way filmmaking should be. So. Yep. Absolutely. Who knows, who knows where it'll go next? True. True. I, I, I definitely don't think we're, we've seen the, uh, the plateau of slasher films. I think it's going to continue to expand and get even weirder. <laughs> Bring it on. I'm ready. True. All right. Well, interesting. So, all right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll have our news birthdays and anniversaries, so stick around. Make sure you subscribe to listen to their screams on your favorite podcast platform. Also, make sure you look us up on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, TikTok, and Slasher. All you have to do is look up Listen to Screams. That is Listen, the number two in Screams, and you can find us there. Also, make sure you go and buy yourself a Listen to Their Screams t-shirt. You can find all of our shirts at tinyurl.com screams shirts. Spread the news. Spread the news. Spread the news. And we're back with the news. All right. Starting us off at the top here, Eli Roth's Thanksgiving is now available on Blu-ray following its video-on-demand release. Um, we've talked a lot about Thanksgiving since last November, uh, not only because we are both fat and love Thanksgiving, but there just so happened to be a, <laughs> a horror movie called Thanksgiving that was also superb. So if you haven't seen it yet, check it out on video-on-demand, but also on Blu-ray. Yep. All right. Uh, not much else to say about that. I forgot to mention it, but we did review the movie. Check that out. Sure. Anyways. <laughs> Anywho. Dylan, uh, I, hope, I hope I say this right. Dylan Galula, Jalula, Halula, has joined Kyle Gallner, Rosemary DeWitt, Lucas Gage, and Naomi Scott in Smile 2, which is scheduled for release in o- theaters on October 18th. Um, Smile, the first one, was a very, very iconic piece of horror I, 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 it was just a masterpiece, in my opinion. It was one of the best horror movies of the last, you know, probably 10 years. Um, very iconic, very spooky, very creepy. Dave and I both liked it. And I know that we're both excited for the second one. <laughs> yeah, I'm intrigued to see what uh, see what they do with it and how they uh, where they take it. So, yeah, I'm excited. Absolutely. And then, of course, joining in the public domain fairy tale horror films that this year has already provided us and is getting ready to provide us. We have two additional items to add to that list. We have two Cinderella films, Cinderella's Curse and Cinderella's Revenge. Trailers are out for both of these films. Um, Dave and I have both really talked about how public domain horror is starting to become its own niche genre, and it's just continuing to compound and expand its territory. Um, and it's only going to get better or worse, depending on who you ask. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. uh, I'm excited for these, as always. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose it's it's one of those things you either you either like it or you don't, right? Some people say, oh, they're they're ridiculous. I think, you know, the fairy tale. I mean, fairy tales were horror stories to begin with. 
the grim grim stuff that those were horror films so the cinderella thing i mean you could literally if you could just do a film of the original grim story it would be horror but uh, but cinderella is is i mean come on we, you know we've got evil stepmothers and stepsisters and blah 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 i mean it's it's all it's queued up and ready for a good horror film very true very true all right. So check those out. Check out those trailers. Um, I've not seen them yet, but I'm sure they're I'm sure they're good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Disney Plus will be releasing a second season of Goosebumps. The second season will be eight episodes and will be an anthology style with a new cast. Um, so the first season is already out for all of it's out. Everything's been released. Um I, I greatly enjoyed the first season. I, I thought it was very reminiscent of the old school Goosebumps. It, it definitely retold some of the same stories that we've already kind of seen told, um, which I, I kind of expected. I mean, it's Goosebumps. You know, he, there's so much stuff to work from. Um, but uh, yeah, so the season two, I'm very intrigued for, especially since it's going to be a new cast. I wonder if there's going to be any connection to the original story. So that, that's going to be my big thing is whether or not the two are going to be connected in any way, shape or form. Um, but I am very excited. I love a good anthology. So I'm here for it. Yeah. I mean, the rumor, the rumor is there's not going to be any connection to the first season, but, but who knows uh, that this is, they're looking this time just to take, uh, just do independent depictions of different, you know, goosebump stories. And just, you know, each episode be a different, different thing. So, but, but who knows, you know, what, what they'll end up doing with it. And if there'll be some kind of wraparound thing and if it'll tie back to fur, who, who knows yet until we see it out, you know, I, I don't know. Absolutely. And, that, and that's interesting because that, that's definitely how the old school Goosebumps was, you know, yeah. it, it was individual stories for every episode um, that, you know, basically covered the contents of a book. But, uh, yeah, I'll be interested to see how that works, um, especially since the first season acted more as like an overarching story with, you know, some of those seminal works of R.L. Stein sprinkled throughout. So, um, yeah, I'll be interested to see how that works for sure. Yep. All right. So I hope I pronounced his name right. Michael Chavez, I'm assuming that's how it's pronounced, has signed to direct The Conjuring 4. And it has been announced that it will be the final film in the main series. Um, so, you know, I, you know, Kayla and I are both huge fan of the Conjuring series, the Conjuring universe. Uh, I've seen every film within the universe. Um, you know, e even like the curse of the Yorona, which is, um, a lot of, it is part of the Conjuring universe. A lot of people don't like that films, but I like that film. Anyways, um, I decided to bring up curse of the Yorona. It gets, it doesn't get talked about enough, but, uh, I'm excited for The Conjuring 4. Uh, I am not excited to see the end of the story of Ed and Lorraine Warren, mostly because I've grown very attached to Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga as <laughs> Ed and Lorraine Warren. Um, I just love both of them so much. Patrick Wilson's hilarious. Um, and I still play uh, Stay With Me from Insidious <laughs> on repeat all the time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe you know, he'll still be out there. Who knows what he'll do? True. But, yeah, uh, he'll, he'll be around. <laughs> yeah, they're not ending the universe, just that main, the main Conjuring films. But uh, who knows? Maybe give it a few years, they might get the itch again. You never say never. True. You know, I I will say this. Um, I've always said so. Like for people who have seen the Conjuring movies, um, the pretty much one of the biggest like things that they talk about, and one of the things that is probably most well known about the Warrens is like their they're sort of like closet of like spooky shit. Um, 
and it's got all the haunted, cursed objects, including Annabelle, of course. So um, I've always said that it would be really neat to do like an anthology type per like show where like, you know, Ed or Lorraine tells the story of like a specific object, um, you know, and, and basically that object is this the, the whole purpose of that episode. You can do like an anthology TV show, kind of like Goosebumps. Um, you know, and there's a lot of documented stuff about different, you know, objects that they did in real life. So I think that could be cool. You know, again, if anybody wants to hire me for that, I'll write for you. <laughs> That's kind of like the old uh, Friday the 13th TV series where they had the uh, all the cursed objects in that uh, their, their uncle or whatever it was had. And they had to go out and try to collect the ball and get them back and didn't have any tie to the actual Friday the 13th films. But uh, <laughs> there was always that, that rumor that if it continued on, one of the cursed objects at some point would have been the mask but oh. that would have been interesting but yeah that's kind of what they did though they all those objects were cursed and things and they had to go try to get them back out of the public gotcha yeah i mean i, I think you could very easily do something in that same vein you know you have all those mystical objects and uh in one of the last movies i think it's like annabelle comes home um they touch on a lot of the haunted objects and sort of you know the scary shit that they do so yeah, I, I think you could do a lot with that universe. It's just kind of up to sure. the folks who are creating it. <laughs> Absolutely. But, all right, we're going to move on to some upcoming birthdays. And we have some pretty cool ones this week. I mean, we have cool ones every week. I think all these people are pretty cool um, for the most part, unless it's Rob Zombie. Um, sorry, Rob Ooh, Zombie. Yikes. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, anyhow, Poor Rob. Poor Rob. I'm sure he's doing just fine. I'm sure he doesn't care what some fat guy from Florida thinks. <laughs> <laughs> all right too sad he can just go buy himself something cool that's what i was gonna say you just go buy some cool shit uh, it'll be fine all right starting us off at the top we have february 17 1965 we have jonathan breck the creeper from jeepers creepers one and two um you know i i do not like the director of these films um i'm not gonna say why i don't like him to do a quick google search you're gonna figure out very quickly why anybody would not like him um but I cannot de- deny that the Jeepers Creepers movies, specifically the first two, the third one's not very good in my opinion. Um, the first two are good. The first two are pretty solid movies, um, yep. specifically the first one. And, you know, I, I cannot deny that it's a decent movie, just not made by a decent person. <laughs> Correct. But, but happy uh, birthday, Jonathan. That's right. Absolutely. Happy birthday, Jonathan. Thank you for being the Creeper. Uh, very iconic. Very spooky. <laughs> All right. I think this is probably the like the youngest person we've ever had on this list because I just saw the, the year of birth and I'm like, holy shit, I'm old. Yeah. All right. <laughs> February 19th, 2004. You heard that right. 2004. We have Millie Bobby Brown. Uh, yeah. Wow. So she is, of course, from Stranger Things as well as dozens of other projects she's done. Uh, but of course, 11 from Stranger Things is I would venture to guess probably her most notorious role. Um, And, you know, Stranger Things season four or five, whatever season it is, um, you know, 11 goes to the nursing home should be coming out in the next 10 years. Yeah. Or she's 20 and they're all supposed to be playing like they're whatever, 13 or 14 or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, not the first time that's happened in Hollywood, but, but no, she's, she's great. And, uh, she's only 20 years old man she's still got she's gonna do so many big things in the future 
Oh, that, yeah, I was going to say, she, she's got a very long career. I'm sure she'll, you know, I'd love to see her in some more horror films, you know, some actual, you know, don't be wrong, Stranger Things is spooky. It is on the horror spectrum, but I feel like she would be really good, like, as, like, a Nev Campbell type role. I feel like that would work for her. Sure. If anybody wants to cast her, you, you, you have my idea. I give you permission. All right. Well, you're just tur- churning out the ideas today, aren't you? I, I really am. I really am. I need to, somebody needs to give me some money for this. Give me some kickbacks. All right. Mm-hmm. February 20th, 1954. Anthony Head, who played Rupert Gillis, Gills, Giles? Giles. 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 Gotcha. And Buffy the Vampire Slayer series. Um, I'm not super familiar with this guy specifically, uh, but he's from Buffy, and that, that alone deserves recognition. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's the, the watcher guy, the British guy that librarian have you ever seen any buffy yeah i've seen a little bit he's the british guy with the glasses it's a librarian that is uh buffy's watcher as a slayer i got gotcha. you so. i got gotcha. you i'm picking up what you're putting down she he, he's the alfred of uh mm-hmm. buffy's batman so cool mm-hmm. cool cool very nice moving on up February 21st, 1979, Jordan Peele, known for his works on Get Out, Us, Nope, and his upcoming film, Monkey Man. Um, obviously, Jordan Peele is fantastic. He, he is definitely one of the more cerebral, uh, you know, horror directors of our time. Um, you know, his films are not for everybody, but they are certainly quality films, at least in my opinion. Um, and I'm very excited to see Monkey Man. Yeah. Yeah, I like Jordan Peele. I, I love it. I like the movie. And, uh, man, that trailer for Monkey Man just looks great. My my wife said, uh, and I shit you not, she goes, this just kind of seems like John Wick, but like that's, it's John That's Wick. what I said. <laughs> I, I was like, I mean, you're not wrong. It does kind of seem yeah. like that. Um, I, I will that fight scene in the kitchen or whatever, and I'm like, this just looks like John Wick. I mean, what the hell? You know, and like, I, I love, uh, I believe his name is Ari Aster. I believe that's how you say his name, or Ari Aster. Yeah. I'm, I'm not totally sure. I apologize if I'm butchering that. Um, but he's in it, you know, he, he is, or no, he's not in it, but he's like part of the crew, you know, the, I believe it's the director, right? I think Jordan Peele's the writer, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure. He, yeah, he's not directing it, but yeah. But in any case, uh, you know, he's a part of it and I think it'll be good. I think it, it'll be interesting. Or is it Ari Aster? No, it's not Ari Aster. I, I'm smoking crack. Give me a second. <laughs> I'm not actually, I'm not actually smoking crack guys. De- Dev Patel. Why? Why? Why did yeah, I? Yeah, yeah, Dev Patel. Yeah. Why did He's I mix Ari Aster with Dev Patel? Ari Aster is who made like Hereditary. <laughs> I don't know why I got that mixed up. No, Dev Patel. He plays presumably the Monkey Man in this movie. Um, but he also He's directing it. Uh, and then the writers include. Uh, well, maybe not. I don't know. J- Jordan Peele's somehow involved in this. I swear to God. <laughs> he just producing it. He's producing. Okay, there you go. See, I'm not. I've told you, I'm not smoking crack. I promise. Pull up, man. Pull up. <laughs> I know, for real. I, I'm getting people's names mixed up, man. It's, it's that early onset dementia. <laughs> I think it's the fact that we're recording later than usual. We're just. Bra- yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe I need to eat some sushi, drink some whiskey, and uh, drink some Red Bull to get my blood pumping. Here's the thing: you might make just as many mistakes, but you'll care a lot less. <laughs> Amen to that. Amen to that. Anywho, happy birthday, Jordan Peele. <laughs> uh, After all that, happy birthday. Like, Jordan Peele's listening. Oh, oh, they mentioned me. Hey, if he's listening, he, he knows that we love him. I love him. 
All right. Well, if you're listening, DM us. We want to interview you. True, true. Yeah, hit us with an interview. I bet that'd be pretty iconic. <laughs> Anywho, February 21st, 1989. Speaking of Rob Zombie, <laughs> yeah. we have we have Scout Taylor Compton, who played Laurie Strode in the Rob Zombie's Halloween 1 and 2. Um, yeah, you know, she... Yeah, yeah. I'll say this. She's a fantastic actress. She did a good job as this version of Laurie Strode. Um, She will never beat out Jamie Lee Curtis, but I give her credit for her work, her work ethic, and all that she's done, despite those movies not being very good. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, it's it's no fault of hers. That's just, I don't like the movies. There you go. (laughs) All right. Upcoming movie anniversaries. We have February 17th, 1959, House on Haunted Hill. Um, I have seen this many, 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 many moons ago, and I have also seen the remake of this film. Um, but quote me if I am wrong, this film has Vincent Price on it, yes? Mm-hmm. Yep, Vincent Price. Yep. Very good. I, I I didn't get his name wrong this time. I didn't call him Prince and Vice. <laughs> That's like the first name he got wrong. Right, <laughs> for real. Perhaps. But uh, yeah, absolutely. It's a great movie. Vincent Price obviously is, again, a, a star among stars, especially in horror. Um, House on Haunted Hill is just, again, very iconic. Absolutely. Love it. it it's funny because when you read the uh, <laughs> when, when you read the description of this, a millionaire offers $10,000 to five people. $10,000, guys. Which, I mean... I guess 50, 60 years ago, 70 years ago, that, that would probably have been like a million dollars, probably. <laughs> you know, I, I also saw that episode of Scooby-Doo. I think that's a, an episode of Scooby-Doo. And uh, they don't need to worry about it, though. The money's worthless. It's Confederate money. <laughs> You're right. It's Confederate <laughs> money. That is an actual episode of Scooby-Doo. Yeah, I believe it. I love Scooby-Doo. Anywho, February 18th, 2022, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the requel. Um, yeah, you know, it was a solid movie. It was a Netflix movie, you know, kind of was produced during COVID times and came out in 2022. Um, it's a good movie. I liked it. It was a solid, um, you know, sort of like a, like, again, it was a requel. Truly, that's, that's what they were trying to go for. Um, I don't think it got as much hype as I think that they wanted it to because it didn't have a theatrical release. Um, so I, I, I foresee, I think we talked about this. I think they were, they're going to do more with Texas yeah. Chainsaw. Yeah. They're supposedly it's going to be called Texas Chainsaw Legacy. I mean, it's a working title. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great film series to, to, to keep working with. It's, I mean, it's one of, it's weird. It's one of those film series. I mean, the first one is just so good and it's so iconic, right? And there are really some solid films in the series. Yeah. You know, there, there are some, some decent films, but it's not, it's like as a series, it's not as acclaimed as a lot of other horror series. It's like people know the first one. People love the first one. But then everybody's got the mindset of ah, yeah, all the others, blah. And it's OK. They're, they're, you know, yeah, they're not. Maybe they're not as iconic as the first. But there's some these are films. But it's weird that as a whole, the, the franchise didn't get as much love. It, it's, it's peculiar. Yeah. I mean, I mean, people love the film. They love the character. But. Uh, it's like. But it's got so much start and stop over the years, too. It's like they'll make one and then it's like whatever it doesn't do that well. So it's like it'll go a few years over. They'll make it something else and try a different approach. It's like they never really get in a groove 
like some of the other franchises do where they can make three or four or five or ten films in a row that, you know, are, are, are kind of doing okay. It's like it never really got that run that some of the other franchises did. Yeah. It's, it's, it's peculiar. Like that. It, it is. And honestly, if I had to, I, I can tell you, in, in my opinion, where I think the Texas Chainsaw Massacre like legacy died. And that's when they tried to make Texas Chainsaw Massacre the next generation, um, which is the fourth film. So it, it, the bad thing about this is that this movie is star studded. It has fucking Renee Zellweger in it, yeah. Matthew McConaughey, as well as a number of other people who actually are very, pretty well known these days. I mean, but it's just such a shit movie. And like yeah. it had it was a straight to DVD. Like it was literally one of those movies that like they sat on for years because they knew it was shitty. And yeah. when they eventually released it, I mean, it was straight to DVD. It, it, it bombed huge. And I think that that's that movie specifically probably killed any hope or chance at like a reoccurring, you know, film franchise. Cause like you said, the first movie's good. The second movie, despite it being super like a comedy, it, it's still decent. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. The, the third one is, you know, it is what it is. Um, but then the fourth one, it just shot itself right in the foot, legitimately, yeah. at least in my opinion. Somebody else can disagree with me, but it, yeah, it's just that, be, yeah. peculiar for it, you know, coming out in that roughly that time span, not long after, you know, Halloween and, and being in that, it didn't have that. It, yeah, it never had that run where it's like every whatever, two years, there, bam, there's a new one, another, bam, you could count on them. And it just never had that big, that cycle going. Yeah. And it, uh, it's weird. But, of course, you know, you're talking about a time period where you had Halloween and the Nightmares and the Friday the 13th. And it's, you know, those were those were huge. So I guess it, you know. It would be hard to to break into that upper echelon with them. And. uh But anyway, yeah, we there, supposedly there was the new film. So hopefully I really I really wanted to I really just want them to knock it out of the park and just kind of really reestablish this franchise. And uh, because there's so much there's so much there to work with, I mean, yeah. with the concept and everything, I think it's really something, you know, something that can be done right with the right people on board who are passionate about it and have the right vision. I just really I just really want to see them just reestablish it. And, and I don't know. It's just weird. <laughs> it, it's actually weird because I was looking at it. Um, this is a throwback to last week. So this movie came out in 95 um, is when it was released. But the reason they released it around that time was because Renee Zellweger and yeah. Matthew McConaughey were getting like popular. Yeah, um, they only released it because of that tried to leech off that. Well, because like they were getting popular. But the very next year after this movie came out, Matthew McConaughey would go on to star in A Time to Kill, which is a fantastic movie as well. Iconic. And Renee Zellweger uh, would star in Jerry Maguire. Uh, <laughs> there you go. See, it, it all comes full circle. <laughs> Show me the money. That's right. So, yeah, I, like you said, they'll hopefully do something with it. We'll see what happens in the future. But, uh, yeah, I, like I said, I, I could write a whole dissertation about when that series died. And it all points to one movie. <laughs> Anywho, I, I mean, I tell you, I like the, I like the one two punch of one and two. Oh, I know they're, I just, I, you know, one's iconic, one's great. Two's fun to me too. I just, I love one and two. It's one of those things too. It's like two is such a different movie than the first one. They, they're, it's like they were made, like literally it's like they took 
Leatherface and put him in a comedy. And I mean, that's yeah. literally what it is. I mean, the second but, movie's good like but that. I, yeah, but I think it works. It works for me. I don't know why. Oh, it works for me. That that's a perfect example of when somebody it, it it's basically not taking yourself so seriously because that's what makes it good. <laughs> yep. There you go. But all right. So our last movie on this list is another movie that doesn't take itself <laughs> yeah, too seriously. Yeah, speaking of not taking yourself seriously. <laughs> oh, Lord. February 19th, 1993, Army of Darkness. Um, it, you know, Army of Darkness, again, the Evil Dead movies is like, it's, it's like Whiplash. You have Evil Dead 1, <laughs> relatively serious. Evil Dead 2, stupid, funny. Evil Dead 3, stupider, funnier. And then you have like Evil Dead 2013, which is like hardcore serious. <laughs> it's it's crazy. I love Army of Darkness. It's one of my it's one of my favorite like movies that I just put on to like have fun. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I really hope we get more Evil Dead in the future. I, I just I really want that. I know that they're planning on it, but I really do want that. <laughs> I mean, you know, Evil Dead Rise was solid. Yeah. And uh, really, you know, a lot of fun. But, yeah, there's supposedly, you know, things happening. Uh, I think wasn't that what we mentioned last episode about, you know, a spinoff film that's, you know, supposedly maybe in the works and different things. And there's just I mean, there, there's uh, endless what you can do with the, the, the universe. I mean, you really could do whatever you want. Yeah, no, I absolutely. Mean, no limits there. I mean, they've already they've already done a lot that, uh, that <laughs> did not seem within the realms of possibility. So. You know, there's there's no hindrance here. Just do whatever you want. Uh, Genuinely. I mean, Evil Dead is it's it's so easy. Like literally, like you said, just do whatever you want, whatever fuck you want. Just do it. (laughs) Um, Hey, we'll say, yeah, that's cool. That makes sense. (laughs) Whatever. Ashes in space. Yeah, why not? Why not? Ash in space. At this point, you know, I would accept that. I I think it might work. Who knows? But uh, all right. Me at least. <laughs> right. So before we move on to the, the next little part here, um, yesterday we, we went and saw Lisa Frankenstein and uh, we, we saw a trailer for the uh, the first omen, um, which which is like the it's like a prequel to the omen, which for I'm, I'm super stoked to see that movie. But uh, have you seen the trailer for it? I'm assuming. No, 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 no. I haven't yet. No. OK, so at the end of the trailer, well, it because there's like there's this very jarring music that's being played the entire time, um, which just gets my heart rate going. Like it just freaks me out. I don't know why, but it's a good thing. It, it, I'm genuinely excited for this movie. Um, but it's got this really jarring music, and then at the end, it, it, there's like this voice, but it sounds weird, but it's speaking in reverse. Um, oh, yeah. And I, I I cannot take credit for this because I was thinking to myself, maybe I should record this, but then I reminded myself that I'm in a public movie theater. I probably should not record this in a public movie theater. It's illegal. Um, <laughs> so, okay. But at the end of the trailer, I looked it up. It actually, it's a quote from the 1976 Omen when the nanny says, look at me, Damien, it's all for you. So, uh-huh. you know, Dave, when you go to watch that trailer, keep an eye out for that. It's very, oh. you know, relevant there but uh yeah i just want to throw that out there it's it something i wanted to <laughs> mention i will be watching that trailer soon they didn't show that trailer when i went and saw they uh they, they showed the uh well the only real kind of important trailer to me was uh they showed the uh, abigail yeah and uh that that one man that <laughs> that looks fun i'm it does I'm, i cannot wait for that one i mean oh that's got a great cast and i mean a 
a vampire ballerina? Okay, yeah. Bring it on. <laughs> it, honestly, the vampire ballerina reminds me of uh, there. It's uh, it's in Cabin in the Woods where they have like all those monsters and like there's a I don't know if it's I don't think it's a vampire, but it's a ballerina who has like 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 these weird yeah. weird circular fangs on her face. Yeah. So it reminds yeah. me of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll be but, uh, we'll be yeah we're obviously going to be reviewing Abigail and the first Omen. Oh, oh yeah. So. Absolutely. I think when we do the first omen, we should maybe do like a series review too. Um, Woo! how many of those are there? Probably like a dozen. I've only seen the original omen and then the omen remake. I've not seen any of the in between yeah, movies. <laughs> I may have seen some. I don't recall any of. Them. I don't know. I mean, not enough. Not often enough that I would. Have a hand, so. I, I, I don't maybe, know. Maybe that can be like our like section that week or like our game that week. Well, how many Omen movies have you seen that were not pieces of shit? <laughs> yeah. I I'm not sure. I, maybe there's not as many as I think. Why do I feel like there's quite a few Omen? Whatever the case, I'm down. Well, let's do it. We'll, we'll for better or for worse, good, bad, and ugly. Whatever. It's an excuse to watch them all. Let's do it. There you go. Anywho. Moving on because I, I got us way off track. I, I just wanted to okay. mention that, <laughs> but uh, we're, we're still on topic. That's right. We're not talking about Cuba Gooding Jr., but we will later. Um, yeah. <laughs> upcoming releases. Patience, uh, my Padawan. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So upcoming releases. We have Monolith. I love that word. Monolith gets a limited theater and video on demand release on February the sixteenth. This movie stars Lily Sullivan and is described as, while trying to salvage her career, a disgraced journalist begins investigating a strange conspiracy theory for her podcast. But as the trail leads uncomfortably close to home, she is left to grapple with the lies at the heart of her own story. Um, I'm very intrigued by this. Um, It's about a person making a podcast about conspiracy theories, no less. Um, So, yeah, I'll, I'll check that out for sure. Yeah, so we can get ideas when they uh, come looking for the movie rights for us recording our podcast. Yeah, let's just let's just hope that we are both alive. <laughs> I, I pray, mm-hmm. and, and that you never strike I mean, yourself to death. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, though, in the contract, you be getting Junior will have to be in it. I mean, we he just played such a prominent role in our, <laughs> and they have to tie in absolutely as many supernatural alumni as they can because we talk True. about it all the time. And in order for them to get my rights, I'm going to have to have some kind of a uh, hearty supply of Johnny Walker. <laughs> Amen to that. The, they'll call it the shart, the shartening, um, the story of a <laughs> <laughs> listen to their screams. <laughs> oh. oh, that sounds like a shirt. It does. The shartening. Maybe, maybe, maybe <laughs> we can turn that into a shirt. I don't know. Maybe, that might be copyrated. Somebody may have made a movie about that. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> I want to know what kind of individual would wear a shirt though that says the shark on it. You know what? Why not? It, it, it's like it's like the happening that movie. Well, I guess depending on who you ask, the happening may also be the shortening. But you know, the, the happening with Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> yeah, I see plenty of. I mean, I've seen plenty of movies that feel like a shortening. True. True. <sighs> okay. Anywho, before we get too far down the shark rabbit hole. Um, the shark hole. <laughs> the shark hole. Oh God. This this just gets worse, doesn't it? Um, There's always something every week that gets us get the sidetracked. So. Cuba Gooding Jr. one week, shortening the next. Um, oh, Cuba's not out of the running this week. Just just wait. True. 
But all right. So you guys have heard all the news, upcoming releases. Um, I did my small brief intro dissertation on when the Texas Chainsaw series died. Uh, <laughs> and of course, the shortening. So stick around. Upcoming, uh, or I should say coming up next. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah, the we don't need this little pause here. <laughs> the shortening's getting to me. We have our official review. Shortnado. <laughs> Shortnado. Good Lord. All right. Okay, that's enough of that. <laughs> Let's take a break. <laughs> coming up next, Lisa Frankenstein, our review. Stick around. Listen to their screens is now a Fangoria collaborator. Get 20% off your order at shop.fangoria.com by using the promo code listen to screams at checkout. That is listen to number two and screams. Or you can click the link in the show notes. Okay, we're back on listen to the screams. I don't I say it often, maybe I should not drink while we record because I feel like I feel like I I just encourage this kind of weird behavior. <laughs> okay, but maybe it's entertaining. People seem True. to like it. Whatever. This episode, as we said, we are reviewing Lisa Frankenstein. It was released in theaters on February 9th, written by Diablo Cody, directed by Zelda Williams, starring Catherine Newton and Cole Sprouse. It grossed 3695785 domestically, which is good for number two in its opening weekend. Um. You know, this movie, number one, let me, let me start by saying this. I love, I love the fact it was set in 1989. And I love the fact that they, uh, they didn't do that set in 89, but they didn't do it with this, uh, what's, I'm not, how am I describing it? It, it felt, it felt, uh, it felt real, right? I, I don't know how to phrase, I'm trying to phrase this. It didn't fe- seem like a parody, right? Some movies where they're set in like a different time period. It's like they do this parody of it, right? This, where it's right. like, that's oh, not really what it was like. Yeah, you know, this felt pretty, you know, they didn't make everything neon colors and make you think that it was this, this, uh, you know, everything was hot pink and, and aqua green. It, you know, it, you know, there was plenty of that. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, you know, it didn't, it didn't feel forced, right? And I, so I love the, the setting. Um, I, I don't, I didn't see any real reason it was set in 1989. For the story, but it, but it was good, right? I, I think it was kind of, kind of cool to set it a little bit in that, uh, the pre-technology boom, you know, a little bit. I, you know, you throw cell phones and blah, blah, blah on this and it's just, it, it seems weird. Uh, so I like, I like that part, right? I love Catherine Newton, obviously. Love Cole Sprouse. Um, they, they were both next level phenomenal and, and the rest of the cast was great too. The, the girl that played Taffy was phenomenal in the movie too as a supporting character. Uh, I love the fact that her name is Taff or Taffy or whatever, and he kept calling, you know, her nickname was Laffy Taffy and whatever else. Because <laughs> she was one of those characters that you would look at on the surface and think, oh, I'm going to hate her, right? She's a cheerleader. She's obviously then this fake. Well, but no, but she wasn't. She was the most sincere person in the movie. And uh, she was doing all these things with trying to, you know, take care of her family and loving them all and everything else. And but it, there was no fakeness. It was this sincere love to her, right? So she was great. The, the dad was hilarious. The, the mom was a bitch, which she was supposed to be. Right. It was all so the acting was great. The casting was great. Uh, the 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 concept of the movie was great. I, you know, I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. It had it had some you know it had humor, but not so much that it was you know pushed it over into uh, you know being too much of a joke. Um. It literally took 
the the premise of Frankenstein and and put it in 1989. You know, instead of you know having a lightning rod to rejuvenate the monster, it, it used a tanning bed that shorted. Um, you know, all these things. There was you know she had that dream or whatever where she you know she looked very much like Bride with her hair and stuff like that. Uh, now, I, I had I did have a couple hangups with the movie. Um, I, I felt like at times it tried to be a touch too almost artsy that it just I felt it wasn't necessary. I don't know. It was it's hard to describe. It's kind of weird. I, I will say this film to me pulled so much spiritually from Beetlejuice, and it it just it felt like that. You know what I mean? It had that same feel vibe of of the Beetlejuice movie, not in a bad way. I'm just saying it was. Uh, spiritually, it had a, a lot of it. Felt uh, it just felt like it pulled a lot from that. Um, I, I just felt like there was a there was a few. I don't know whether there was just a few parts. It was kind of you know, trying to be artsy where it didn't really fit. It's so you know not not that bad. It just uh, a little bit awkward. Um, you know, again, the, I, the movie was predictable. We say that a lot of times. Though predictable is not necessarily bad. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. You, you kind of knew where it was going to end up going in the end, right? You had this kind of this feeling that we're going to be. But it was a fun movie. And it was a fun watch. It was a a a good, uh, pretty, you know, spiritually, I'm using that word a lot, spiritually honorable to the Frankenstein story. It did take it into a different setting and and, you know, make it relevant to that time period. Um, uh, you know, I'm glad that it's doing well. I, I'm I'm really super glad that Catherine Newton is just booming. Uh, it, it's fun to see Cole Sprouse in a role like this. Uh, you know, he's always to be that one of the kids from you know Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. <laughs> That's what you always think of you. But it, it, it was he he was excellent in this because for 99.9 percent of the movie until the, the final scene of the movie, he didn't speak. Right. He couldn't speak. And it was grunts and groans and lots of facials and eyes and uh, mo- mannerisms and motions. And he was he was great. Right. He, he he portrayed every emotion and thought that he was having. With this limited thing and, and sealed it. And it was it, he was great. I mean, he, he really I mean, I love Catherine Newton. She did a great job. I mean, I mean Cole Sprouse as the monster or whatever his name was in it uh, stole the show. As, as because again he was in these limited conditions and he 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 acted right he didn't have dialogue to use he he acted and, and used the, his body and mannerisms and uh, it was great and and you felt for him and you really it was you know but the movie had you know some good comedy it was fun um it, I I think the movie was quite obviously intended for a younger audience audience than me. Um, which is, is fine. I understand that. No big deal. That that's cool. Um, I still enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I don't. I won't go so far to say that I thought it was a great movie because I don't feel. You know, I don't feel that it broke any new bounds. But it but it was fun and enjoyable. Um, you know, I do I do love a Frankenstein movie though. So there so there is that, and, and like I said, I enjoyed it. So so I, I what do you think? Yep, absolutely. So. You know, for me, 
let me kind of preface what I'm about to say by saying that um, obviously I love Frankenstein. I love the concept. You know, we've seen a lot of adaptations of Frankenstein over time. Um, and, and I think that this one to me definitely stands out as a um, very modern, exceptional, uh, you know, interpretation of not only the Frankenstein mythos, but, you know, sort of, you know, I guess in a very intriguing and awkward uh, coming of age story. <laughs> um so for me, I think that um, my my primary hangup with this movie, and and truly, it's not even that deep of a hangup. Um, but it, like you said, it was a very predictable movie. Um, yeah. Frank Frankenstein's story is has always been that you know Frankenstein and, and his good intentions um, hurt somebody, and then of course dies in fire. Um, that's just how it be, and. In this case, of course, that is especially not necessarily the case because he doesn't die. But, you know, the fire, of course, acts as a catalyst to the end of the story. So, you know, we kind of knew where it was going. Wasn't breaking really any new ground there. Um, But what I did think was interesting is sort of the um, implemented rules of being Frankenstein. You know, if he needs a new body part, you sew it on. You run him through the tanning bed machine. You electrocute him. And it starts to form to him. And um, I thought that was intriguing. You know, they, they did it with a few body parts, you know, an ear, a hand, male genitalia. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, and I think that the movie does a really good job of, you know, not only telling the story of Frankenstein, but also giving a spotlight to Catherine Newton and, you know, her sort of uh, interpretation of Dr. Frankenstein. Um, and of course I did look it up. Cole Sprouse is called the creature, um, of course for this film. Um, but you know, creature monster, you know, potato, potato. So in this case, I, I really enjoyed the movie. It was quite funny. Um, I will agree that there were a few points that were a little awkward. It felt like they were definitely trying to get a little too artsy fartsy for me. Yeah. Um, like the dream sequences and things like it was just that it was like, it didn't really add anything to the story for me. It was kind of, it just felt weird to me. Um, and like, I, I feel like my, my primary like guess as to why they did that was because she was tripping. You know what I mean? She was on yeah. tripping on yeah. drugs. Right. I, I get that. Yeah. So I think that's probably why they did it, but it was still weird. Um, and I, and I guess it made sense, but at the same time, like it can make sense and still be weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, but other than that, you know, the movie was pretty straightforward in its delivery. Um, you know, it, this movie also touches base on the sort of concept of like mental illness. You know, the, yeah. the title character, Catherine Newton, um, has selective mutism from a very traumatic event where her mom was brutally murdered by an axe murderer, um, which I feel like that could be a, a whole movie in of itself. You know what I mean? Telling that story. Um, I really thought the axe murderer was going to come in at some point, but, uh, yeah, I, did. I, I was a little disappointed <laughs> in my heart. I wanted some kind of closure to that, but right. Well, and I and I kind of I kind of wonder, um, you know, the honestly, I I kind of wonder two things. Well, first of all, it was very interesting that um, Cole Sprouse's the creature, his weapon of choice, um, and yeah. the many the you know detachments of limbs was an axe. Um, so I thought that that was a very interesting parallel for, you know, this is what was used to murder this person's mother, but it's being used to help build her friend. It's very interesting. Um, 
but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a very, very good film, you know, a lot of, you know, spotlight on mental illness and overcoming that by, you know, just in this case, exposure therapy, you know, she just continues to go out and experience things and, you know, in some cases be traumatized and it just kind of helps her in a way. Um, but to kind of close out my review here, um, I, I want to propose the theory that um, her father killed her mother. Um, I, I did wonder that. I, you know, I, I guess yeah. he got over it very quick. That's what's gonna. He got over it really quick, and not only that, but they don't really explain like where he was at the time. They just kind of brush it off. Um, but also, like, is it not weird that like he moved on so fast after his daughter died? Like his daughter just straight up died, and he's just like, let's go to Fuddruckers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I'm proposing that theory now that the, that the father is who killed the mother and. That's sort of just like a background theory, but I don't know if it's true or not. Um, if Diablo Cody or Zelda Williams wants to comment on that, I'd, I'd love to hear their opinion. <laughs> now, I will tell you now, my biggest point about this movie here, not not hang up, but my, my biggest thought about the movie, it does, it does a really good job, though, of exploring what has always been the, to me, the biggest discussion point of of frankenstein right because people always call call the monster right he's the monster right and there's dr frankenstein but if you really step back and look is is the 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 creature really the monster no he's not he's he's a victim the doctor is really the monster right and in this film if you notice throughout it creature the course of the film, as it progresses, becomes more and more human. And Catherine Newton's uh, Lisa, she starts, you know, as this meek, you know, mute, not talking uh, girl who becomes more and more a monster. Right. They're moving right. in parallel paths. Right. She, she starts gaining confidence. She gets this rush from the killings and it, it boosts her this confidence. And she starts plotting and lures the guy in and and does all these things. It kind of loses touch. And so, you know, to the, we're at the end of the movie, you know, spoilers, which we've obviously mentioned, she, she's <laughs> the monster and he's human and he's speaking and everything. So they move in opposite paths, right? One's going from creature to, to, to human. The other's moving more from human to more creature. So to me, that's very explorative of that concept of in the Frankenstein mythos of, well, we call him Frankenstein's monster, but is he truly the monster of the move of of the story? Who is the real monster? It's he he didn't ask to be created and brought back. He right. just was, and he was thrust into this world and this concept that he did not understand. So same in this, right? It was the, he was the creature. He, you know, he was from the the opening sequence was this heartbroken guy, you know, who 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 died and then got brought back all of a sudden. And he was just trying to sort his way through. And he found this girl that he, you know, had this connection with, obviously had fallen for and saw her doing all these other things, not noticing him, but yet he was still there. Right. So he was. So you have to. Okay, who was the monster? Who was the human? Right. I mean, it's the same discussion, which I so I think they very, very well uh, mirrored that that same concept of. Yeah, we call him the creature, right? We call him this, but and he, you know, he's just 
brought back to life and he's bugs falling out of him and he's right, blah, blah, blah. But, but who in the movie is truly, who's truly the monster? Right. right? He, so, you know, and, and I, I thought they did that very well. Well, and honestly, I, I guess I didn't really think about that because, you know, it, it is a very interesting parallel because I guess that is sort of the, the story of Frankenstein. It's, you know, at, at what point, does you know what is the defining line between human and monster you know is the monster a monster for simply being created or is the human a monster for trying to create a monster and you know and and i and i'm not quoting pokemon because i just want to quote it but there's a very interesting quote from a pokemon movie that says you know perhaps the circumstances of one's birth is not you know an indication of you know their actions or their ability to move on in life you know so um but that is from pokemon uh mewtwo 2000 or whatever the hell it's called from the mewtwo movie uh but it's true i mean it, it's the classic story of is the creature and the monster because it was created or is the person who created the monster a monster you know so very interesting dialogue yeah. Yeah, because if you notice the the creature in the movie, every time he did the tanning bed thing, not only did the body part begin to work, but every time he came out of it, he looked more human. He did. And and the, the face took more shape. The eyes became less sunken and dark every time. It was more and more until the end of the movie. He looked back to normal. So yeah. what? You know, it was, you know, it was, um, you know, it's, I don't know. I mean, I don't know whether it was intentional or not, but there's some social commentary there of, People can be born born to scenarios, but they can truly make the life they want to make if they if they want to, right? You can be born in some bad situations, and with the right circumstance, the right help, the right drive, you can still do great things and be a good person. And then you can have people born into the the most quote unquote perfect of circumstances in life who can truly be monsters True. And, and do bad things. So, um, but yeah, there it was, I, you know, I. I like I said, I thought there was this great parallel of them moving in opposite directions. Um, you know, until you got to, like I said, at the end of the movie, when she was the one that was the, the quote unquote creature and he was, he was human, it had, you know, pretty much fully reversed. So, uh, yeah. but, uh, you know, and, and again, yeah, there are circumstances, you know, I, part of me thought at one point they were, you know, would reveal that this was all because they kept talking about sending her away to help and this, you know, what about, you know, so I thought at one point they were going to, you know, they might reveal that she was, it was all in her head. And she was already, I don't know, but uh, I'm kind of glad they didn't go that route. But, um, you know, like I said, it, it was a, it was a fun movie. It was a good movie. Um, you know, and I thought it did, it did, it did a good job of honoring the, the mythos and the story while still adding, you know, some current elements, bringing it into the, into the now. There was, a, there were a few little clunky parts. Not, not too much though. It, you know, it, 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 for the most part, flowed pretty well. Uh, yeah, I think there was a couple parts that you know could have been left out and, and whatnot. But, um, but it, uh, you know, it, uh, it overall, I thought it was fun. I think, like I said, I think you know, I think it is intended for a bit of a younger audience. Um, you know, maybe maybe even even a little younger than you, maybe even like, I just I think that's where the the the, the target is. Um, not saying, you know, we can't enjoy it. Um, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing because that is a target audience that we, we need to hit, right? Because we need to hook some right. of these people. Of, oh, I like that. What, let's, let's watch something else like that, you know, and, uh, 
So uh, that's good. We need we need films like that. Uh, not every movie can be made for the the people that have been horror fans for you know twenty, thirty, forty years. Let's uh, let's make some uh, for and try to, to draw on some new fans. So, uh, but again, I'm glad it's out there. I'm glad you know. Again, it's got a very relevant, you know, fresh, hot cast of these rising you know rising actors uh, that are that are really on the on the rise. And all, you know, on the growth, so that's good. Uh, it did well, so that's that's those are all good signs, right? It's it's not say this is uh, necessarily the perfect movie for me. Not, again, not saying I didn't enjoy it, but I am glad it's out there, and I'm glad it's being successful because I think there's definitely a place and a market for it. Um, but again, even me and my old ass, I, I still enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun movie. Uh, it's one that, it, you know, when it hits streaming or video on demand, I'm, I'm, I'll watch it again because it was, you know, it was enjoyable enough that it, you know, it warrants a rewatch. So, yeah. uh, and again, we got uh, Catherine Newton, a Supernatural alum, so I got to support. <laughs> <laughs> so, sure. All right. So let's rate this thing. Uh, I, I'm going to let you go first this time because I always go first. So out of five screens, what are you rating Lisa Frankenstein? Absolutely. Um, I mean, like we said, every time, you know. How much do we enjoy this movie? You know, we take into consideration all those small aspects, you know, cinematography, acting, so on and so forth. For me, this is a solid 3.5 out of 5. Um, you know, the story, of course, it's a rehash story. You know, you can only rehash Frankenstein so many times, but this was creative. This was a different. Um, you know, like we said, it was still a little predictable because, of course, we all know how Frankenstein ends. But it's still a very good movie, very creative, very refreshing um, and it does appeal, I think, like Dave said, to a very different audience than maybe what we were looking for. Um, but I loved it. Very good. Very good acting. Very good cinematography. Um, quirky, fun, just overall fun time. So three and a half out of five for me. Yeah. Uh, well, I think I'm going to go just a touch lower. I'm, I'm thinking uh, three out of five for me. Uh, again, I, I, that I, still means that I, that I enjoyed the movie and that it was a fun movie. Um, but again, uh, you know, nothing groundbreaking in the telling of, uh, of Frankenstein. It, yeah, there was a freshness to it, but it wasn't anything super groundbreaking about it that would bump it up too much higher. Uh, it did have a good cast. It did have a good look. It had a great soundtrack. Uh, you know, lots of this stuff, you know, that's what, that's what kept it in that three. I think if, if it's missing any of those elements, it might've dropped it, you know, down a half a notch for me just because, well, it wasn't bad. Like we've both said, it, it was predictable. And yeah. I, again, I'm not predictable doesn't always mean bad to me because you don't have to try to keep the audience guessing all the time because sometimes that just doesn't work when you if you write with that in mind, it, it, it doesn't always work. Uh, but again, I don't think I am the key demographic for this. But it didn't de- you know, didn't detract from the fact that I did enjoy it. I will re- I will rewatch it. It's a movie that I. Uh, well, you know, would definitely enjoy watching it again, but it's just a, just right there at the middle, a, a three out of five for me. Uh, I definitely say it's a fun movie. I definitely think everybody should go out and watch it. I do think that there is something for everybody in it, though. I, I think there's enough there that will interest everybody. The, you know, the fact that it was set in 89 added, added, did add some for me, right? It, you know, gave me some warm and fuzzies because I, I lived that, that time period. So it did add, you know, something to that for me. Uh, so I, I do think there's something in this movie for everybody uh, to, to watch. I, I think everybody will, will enjoy it. 
and uh, I hope people will go see it and continue to support it and, and keep it strong. I don't know. I don't know that there's enough meat there to do a sequel. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously there's things they could do. I'm, I'm sure. Right. I mean, there's things you can tell. Do I think it would be a strong enough story to warrant a sequel? Oh, I don't know. I, I'm not sure about that. Um, and uh, I don't know. I mean, if it does well enough, I'm sure there'll be discussions. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's all about what the idea they can come up with. And, you know, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm, there's clearly there's there are uh, avenues they can take that I'm sure could tell a good story. I don't know. I don't know that if they do a sequel. Just gut feeling as I sit right now. I don't know that I would like a sequel as much as this one, though, because I don't, I feel like then ooh, I feel like it would be a little redundant for me. But uh, I challenge him. I challenge him to come up with something that changes my mind about that, because I, w- I would have an open mind and, and give it a shot. So. Absolutely. That's a that's what I think. Um, that's that's like Lisa Frankenstein. But next week, here we go, Ike. Next week, we're going to do Skeletons in the Closet. This movie is out now on Shudder, and it is described as haunted by a malevolent spirit since childhood. A desperate mother allows herself to become possessed in order to save the life of her terminally ill daughter. The movie stars Terrence Howard and Cuba Gooding Jr. Yes, Ike, this is the movie we talked about last week coming out. Uh, We're going to review it because, A, I think it sounds intriguing. B. Cuba Gooding Jr. Let's do it. We joked about it last week. We mentioned it today. What will we do when we're actually reviewing the movie? But we're going to find out next episode. So there you go, Ike. Happy birthday. I know it's not your birthday, but <laughs> I'm giving you a Cuba Gooding Jr. movie. There you go. No, no. I, I do think the movie sounds it sounds intriguing. And um, and I'm all about let's, uh, you know, spread the wealth, support a Shutter movie, right? We did a. Here for blood from Screenbox. We just did a theatrical release. Now, now Shutter. Shutter's got some other force, and we're gonna we're gonna give it a shot. So, before we close out, Ike, and get out of here, we've uh, man, we've been a little long. Uh, <laughs> you got anything you want to throw in there before we close up? You know, um, just stay safe out there, guys. Um, be aware of the sharpening. Um, shirts coming Sharp, soon. <laughs> Sharpnado. Sharpnado, yeah. Don't get caught in the Sharpnado. Um, <laughs> That'd be, be a mess. <laughs> But uh, as Dave said earlier, happy Valentine's Day to all. I know this will come out the day after, but I hope you guys had a good happy Valentine's Day. Hope no, uh, you know, coal miners uh, came after you with uh, vengeance after something horrible that happened 20 years ago. That's kind of cool. <laughs> Someone should make a movie about that and then remake it years later. Oh, yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> with Supernatural, Lump Star. Yeah. <laughs> wait a minute. That's true. They did it already. That's right. And uh, remember, like Salika, like Lisa Frankenstein said, hey, anytime's a good time for a little REO Speedwagon. Uh, well, <laughs> makes me happy hearing a little REO Speedwagon song in there. <laughs> it's such a prominent scene. So uh, go explore some REO because you know what? Dig me some REO. So uh, <laughs> maybe my scotch is wearing off and it's, it's time for a refill. Uh, I, I bet you didn't expect this podcast this episode ended up going to Ario Speedwagon. I blame Lisa Frankenstein. <laughs> Diablo Cody's fault. True. So 
All right, until next episode, we're going to discuss skeletons in the closet starring at, you guessed it, Cuba Gooding Jr. <laughs> until then, wherever you go, whatever you do, be good, be safe, and have many pleasant nightmares.